Hi, you're listening to a podcast brought to you by the teaching team at New Life in North Lincolnshire. New Life is committed to helping transform people and transform places through the love and power of Jesus Christ. We hope you, in some small way, will be blessed and transformed by this message. great to see you all this morning. Well, um, I'm finishing off the series, as, as Mark said. Um, there's been a series that we've been covering, these three short thoughts, uh, out of 1, 2, and 3 John. So they are the letters of John, not the Gospel of John. And um, Russ kicked us off um, by speaking from 1 John. And that was addressed to um, a lot of believers um, that John the Apostle was in touch with. He was an elder in the church, capital C, the early church, having been a very close disciple of Jesus, walked with him, lived with him for a long time, saw all that he did. And so 1 John was spoken to this group of believers um, and it was an encouragement. Russ spoke an encouragement to us to grow in our faith. Can you remember he had the flip charts and um, there was a C, there was a Y and there was a P, I believe. And uh, it was that um, even uh, that we grow from being children to being young people to being parents. But we don't forget the stages along the way. And children were encouraged to remember that they are loved and that they are forgiven. And um, young people are encouraged to get stuck into the Word of God, uh, the truth of who Jesus is and what he does for us and how we can live in that truth. And therefore, we can be people who are overcomers. We can be victorious. We can beat the enemy in his attempts to take us out and destroy our faith. And then as parents, we learn to be people who trust God, who trust in his sovereign plan for our life in spite of uh, the dark times, in spite of the tough times. We are people who know God, who know in whom we have believed because we have developed in our faith. We have understood we are loved and forgiven. We have dug into his word and we have digested it and we can know that we have victory. Therefore, we are people who uh, know God. So that was one John and that was what Russ shared with us. And then Mark brought last week uh, from 2 John, and that was an, uh, an address from, John's, from John the Apostle to um, a wider, uh, sorry, a smaller group of people, um, more like a church. And, um, and that was the encouragement to walk in truth and love. And Mark pointed out that if we are walking in truth, that means we will love one another. If we know the truth, that will be exhibited in our lives by the love we have for one another. And we're encouraged um, to do both of those things. They have to be in our lives um, side by side. And, um, and therefore, we will be people who can walk 
well before our God in our faith. And then the final epistle that I'm just going to share with us today from 3 John, it sort of comes down even smaller. So there was a wide group of people, there was a, a church, and then this epistle, this letter is to an individual, and it's to a man called Gaius. So um, John is getting more and more uh, personal and more and more intimate and just wanting to get a message across. And he's speaking now to an individual. Isn't that great? And Gaius has been picked out um, and he has been named. And um, we're going to have a look at what John wants to say to Gaius. A few other people, too, are named in this letter. And um, we're going to see how John picks them out as people who needed to, need to be taken note of. So Gaius is someone um, particularly who John is saying you can imitate. And then there's some, someone else who's not to imitate. And then, again, someone else who he commends and he highlights are you glad you don't, you don't live in the Bible times? Because maybe you or I might have been picked out and named and put in Scripture for all eternity. Hey, goodness me. But here you go. Here's Gaius to start off with. And thankfully, it starts off good. But then there's someone in there who, you know, not so good. And uh, so we're going to read and we're going to find out what this epistle is all about. It's like it's punchy. It's, a, it's kind of got down now to like a little post-it note, you know. Uh, and when you write a post-it note, you haven't got a lot of space, have you, to write very much, but you want your message to get across. And this, this is punchy. Uh, and so it has a couple of points. So let's read it together. If you have a Bible, whether on your iPhone, whatever you've got, or your device, or whether you have a paper Bible, you can follow it. So it is 3 John. The elder. So it starts off with the person John, just telling everybody who is writing this letter. It's, the format is a little bit different, so he starts off by saying, it's me, hello. <laughs> it's John, I'm speaking. The elder, that's John. To my dear friend Gaius, whom I love in the truth, Dear friend, I pray that you may enjoy good health and that all may go well with you, just as you are progressing spiritually. It gave me great joy when some believers came and testified about your faithfulness to the truth, telling how you continue to walk, walk in it. I have no greater joy than to hear that my children are walking in the truth. Dear friend, you are faithful in what you are doing for the brothers and sisters, even though they are strangers to you. They have told the church about your love. Please send them on their way in a manner that honors God. It was for the sake of the name that they went out, receiving no help from the pagans. We ought, therefore, to show hospitality to such people so that we may work together for the truth. I wrote to the church, but Diotrephes, who loves to be first, 
will not welcome us. So when I come, I will call attention to what he is doing, spreading malicious nonsense about us. Not satisfied with that, he even refuses to welcome other believers. He also stops those who want to do so and puts them out of the church. Dear friend, do not imitate what is evil, but what is good. Anyone who does what is good is from God. Anyone who does what is evil has not seen God. Demetrius, he is well spoken of by everyone and even by the truth itself. We also speak well of him and you know that our testimony is true. I have much to write to you, but I do not want to do so with pen and ink. I hope to see you soon and we will talk face to face. Peace to you. The friends here send their greetings and greet the friends there by name. Well, a lovely letter, isn't it? A warm letter, but a warning letter as well. And John, like he said, um, loves to speak to the church and speak to individuals as you can see here because he sees himself as a father with his children and he wants the believers to know the truth and to be able to live well and to expand the truth in their day and in their time. So the first thing I want to point out about this letter and something that John is saying, uh, the, 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 the letter in, in the middle of it was just really emphasizing that Gaius is to imitate what is good. So that is what this epistle is all about, imitating what is good. And the first thing that he does, which is a good thing to take note of, is that he welcome that he um, says to Gaius, "Well done." He starts off by commending Gaius. He starts off by being this fatherly uh, person that he is to Gaius, to believers, to the churches, and he says, um, "Gaius, I love you in the truth." great way to start off a conversation, isn't it? (laughs) Isn't it great when people are encouraging and when they affirm their love for you? And John starts this letter to Gaius by saying, I love you in the truth. Basically, he's saying, you're doing great. Well done. He continues by saying, I'm praying for you as well. He's seeking the best for this individual, this um, young man who is uh, about God's business in the church. And John is just wanting to bless him, to affirm him, to encourage him, to tell him just how wonderful he is and just what a great job he's doing. He's commending him because he is welcoming Others who are joining in the, in the task of spreading the gospel. In those 
times there were um, itinerant preachers and speakers and, and they would come in and they would encourage the church. And Gaius is such that he is welcoming them. They were people who perhaps wouldn't have received any sort of income from any particular employment on some occasions. And so Gaius is being commended because he is showing hospitality to them. He's providing for them. He is actually investing in the advancement of the kingdom of God. And so John, the apostle, is saying, well done, Gaius. You're doing a great job. I love you, my son. And uh, keep going. He celebrates his success as well. John is showing that he is a parent, isn't he? And he's encouraging another generation to um, just rise up and take their place and, and to fulfill uh, the mission that God has for him, but for the church as well. John is, is an old man by now. Uh, you know, this is probably written in... Um, um, can't think of it. AD, that's the word I was trying to think of. It's not really a word, is it? Um, It was probably written in AD 95 or something around there. And John will be an old man. And he's keen that the message of the gospel and the way that it is spread and that the, the believers are walking in truth and in love and that they are committed to expanding the gospel in their time. And so he is keen um, to celebrate this young man's success. And then, of course, he picks him out as a great example, doesn't he? And there he is for all the rest of time, Gaius, being mentioned as someone who is doing a great job, someone who we too can see through this scripture that is a good person to imitate he was being generous. He was helping those with, um, with um, lesser, um, lesser resources. And he was investing into just enabling the kingdom to be expanded. So Gaius, at the beginning of this letter, is someone John is, picks out to imitate himself, but he's also speaking to Gaius and saying, now I want you to notice someone else too, okay? So you're doing a great job. It's great to welcome these people who are coming and who are wanting to expand uh, God's message. Um, you, that's fantastic. It's great that you're supporting them financially as well and with hospitality. Um, but also, there are people to watch out for who are not walking necessarily in truth and love. And so John continues and he then goes on to highlight someone called Diotrephus. Here we go. So his next message, first message is well done. And he is an encourager. And we can look at John too and see what a good example he is, can't we? Of someone who is perhaps further on in the faith, encouraging others who maybe are a little bit newer in the faith and encouraging them in their journey. So the first message to Gaius was, well done. This is his little sort of like post-it note. His next message is, watch out. 
watch out. So there's things that are going great, but there are some things that are not so good. And Diotrephes was someone who was named and shamed. Goodness me. Like I said, I'm glad I wasn't living back then. It could have been me. Maybe it could have been you. Uh. Named and shamed forever. Diotrephes. Who knows what happened to him. But he's picked out and he's named. And he is... um, highlighted as an an example uh, by John to Gaius, saying, Diotrephes is not doing the right thing. Don't follow him. Don't do what he does. Diotrephes, it says, was full of pride. It said he loves to be first, and he will not welcomers. Perhaps he had a problem with people in authority. John, the apostle, one of the inner three of Jesus's disciples, was someone who had authority in the early church. And John himself had written to Diotrephes, whoever he was. I'm sure he was a lovely man on some level. Okay, And he wouldn't accept John, the apostle, to come and minister in his church. Wow. So John isn't very happy, and probably rightly so. Um, But Diotrephes, it says, loves to be first, and he will not welcome us. So when I come, John says, there's much more I'd like to say, he says at the end of the letter, but when I come... I'll have it out with him. And I'm going to tell him exactly what he's doing wrong. He says, I will call attention to what he is doing. Uh, Not only will he not welcome us, but he's actually saying bad things about us. He's slandering us. He's actually spreading, it says, malicious nonsense about us. And not even satisfied with that, He refuses to welcome other believers as well. And he stops those who want to do them, do so by throwing them out the church. So he's being controlling. He is um, wanting to be preeminent. He is not wanting to uh, share in the gospel, the spreading of the gospel. You see, Diotrephes so often can be an example of sometimes the things that we have just battling away in our lives, can't he? Wanting to have the preeminence, wanting to be first, wanting to look good, wanting to be top dog. Pride is what we might call it. And we're all prone to it, aren't we? We've all struggled with self-seeking behavior. Perhaps Diotrephes was, perhaps he just wanted to have all the attention. Perhaps he just wanted to do everything himself. Or perhaps he had incredible insecurities where he um, just 
didn't really kind of feel like he could do the job very well, so he just had to keep on trying and trying and trying. Or maybe he just wanted people to look at him and say how great he was, and he couldn't stand it when anybody else was celebrated and was um, just picked out as doing a good job. Pride like that thief that Jesus talked about when he said, uh, the thief comes to kill, steal, and destroy. That's what pride does. Diotrephes' pride and wanting to get all the attention and wanting, uh, not wanting to uh, be able to share in the work with other people was actually killing and stealing and destroying from the work of the gospel. And our pride can do the same, can't it? And our um, attention to um, seeking our own satisfaction can do the same. We can exclude other people and in our lives and we can stop them from experiencing the love of God. You see, the life of Jesus is expressed through his body, isn't it? Jesus um, speaks about uh, him being the head and um, the church being his body. And we all have a function to fulfill. Maybe someone is a hand. Maybe someone is um, an ear. Maybe someone is, are the eyes. But we all function together in order to bring about his life here on earth to express Jesus um, in our world. So don't cut your nose off to spite your face. <laughs> we all need one another, don't we? And sometimes um, we can try and exclude people uh, from our lives when actually we need them to be that we need them in order for us to have the fullness of what God wants to bring um, into our community. We need to be able to share and work alongside one another and welcome one another in working together. Jesus said, if you seek to save your life, actually you will lose it. But if you lose your life for my sake, he says, then you will find it. Giving our lives away, not wanting to be number one, means that we actually share in a bigger experience of life. And therefore, we actually find life. But if we seek to just hold on to everything and keep ourselves to ourselves and just um, want to preserve only what we want to be about, then actually we live a narrower life and we don't live the expansive life that Jesus wants us to experience. There was an occasion when John was a young man and we read about it in the Gospel of John. And it talks about um, the mother uh, of Zebedee's sons. 
And you have to kind of work that out. The mother of Zebedee's sons. Who were Zebedee's sons? Well, they were John and they were James. And uh, so that was John. And the mother of Zebedee's sons. So you work that out. So John's father was Zebedee. Um, There you go. And uh, she came to Jesus once and she said, Jesus, can my sons sit at your right hand when you uh, enter into your kingdom in heaven? And Jesus turned and said to him, you don't know what you're asking. No, they won't be able to sit at my right and my left because they cannot achieve what I am going to achieve for the world. But he went on to say uh, that they would know some kind of... um, blessing and that they would know some kind of glory because they were going to commit themselves to the cause. But he, got, he pointed out to uh, John's mother at the time and he said, the son of man came not to be served but to serve and to give his life as a ransom. Jesus is our ultimate example of someone who had all the preeminence and yet gave his life away. He said, I came not to be served, but to serve. The servant leader, the servant king. And uh, John would have uh, been steeped in this truth as he was close to Jesus throughout his lifetime. And here he is at the end of his life, writing these letters to the churches, encouraging them, saying, don't be like Diotrephes, who wants to be first. Because what happens is life kind of just goes like a circle, doesn't it? And although, you know, at the time those disciples would have sort of thought, oh yeah, I can see what Jesus is doing and he's con- he continually serves, but then life moves on and new people come and, and, the, and the cycle goes on again, doesn't it? And the, the errance in each of our lives to want to put ourselves first and only do what we want to do at the expense of those around us, emerges again, doesn't it? And it emerges even in our generation, from generation to generation. And so we have to be reminded that we are not to be people who seek to be first, but we are to be people who want to serve and who want to welcome and who want to encourage other people along the journey, along the way, in order that, Jesus's life might be expressed in a greater way. Many of you would have watched the Queen's funeral in this last week and the Archbishop of Canterbury, Justin Welby, gave a great preach, didn't he? A great sermon. And again, he highlighted, didn't he, the attributes of our Queen, our late Queen Elizabeth. How she had been a great example to us, someone we can look at and imitate, a servant Queen. This is what he said. I believe we've got it here on screen. He said, people of loving service are rare in any walk of life. 
leaders of loving service are still rarer. But in all cases, those who serve will be loved and remembered when those who cling to power and privileges are long forgotten. How we love makes the biggest of difference above and beyond whatever we might seek to achieve for ourselves. It's how we love and how we give and how we contribute that will make the lasting difference. There's a scripture that says, what good is it if we gain the whole world and yet forfeit our very soul? And that's what we do if we just focus on satisfying ourselves. John in his gospel, you see John clearly is writing from experience, isn't he, in these letters. So um, I would encourage you to read his work. Read the works that John has written and you will get um, the theme um, of, of, his, of his experience, what he is writing out of John's gospel. Um, he uh, reminds us of what Jesus said to him and to the rest of the disciples. And in John 13, verse 34 to 35, I think that's on screen as well, it says this, a new command I give you, love one another as I have loved you. So you must love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. Love is faith's integrity. It's no good just saying that I believe in God and yet not having the actions to back it up. And that's what Mark was talking about. We have to believe in God and we have to walk out in love as well. James, another apostle, he said, um, show me your faith uh, without your works or something to that effect and I will show you my faith by my works didn't he? Because he went on to say, Sam's quoting it better than I am, and he went on to say, um, faith without works is dead. We cannot just profess to believe in Jesus. We actually have to walk it out and demonstrate it by our love. It's actually quite simple, but yet so difficult at the same time. Because we're battling, aren't we, all the time, the desire for us to put ourselves first and to have things our way. But Jesus sets us the greatest example. So watch out for Diotrephes, um, John says to Gaius. Don't imitate someone like him. Don't be someone who um, is just all about self-preservation and doesn't actually walk out their, their truth and their belief in love. Don't, don't imitate him. But I, he finishes by saying, I want you to imitate uh, someone like Demetrius. 
And he finishes by just highlighting another good person to imitate. And he says, here he is, he's coming to you. This letter was maybe given to him. Um, He was maybe the the, the carrier of this letter. And uh, so he said, I'm sending Demetrius to you. He's He's a trustworthy man. He's, 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 he's faithful, he's, he's carrying out the duties that, that he's been assigned to do. It might not have been very lofty, but he's being faithful in what he is, uh, he is carrying out in expanding the message of the gospel. And, um, and it says, he so lives in the truth that the truth stands up for him. And, you know, like I said, love is faith's integrity. And when you walk in love, then uh, that stands up for you. Uh, There is, you know, there is no um, accusation that people can throw at you. They might might throw things at you, physically, verbally. (laughs) But if you're seeking to love and to work out, your, your belief, uh, then, you know, that's not going to stick, is it? And your behavior and your actions is going to speak louder than words. So, John finishes by saying, welcome. Welcome those around you. Welcome those who are actively seeking to join together in spreading the good news of Jesus. Welcome each other. Yes, there might be things that are just not quite right, but if people's hearts are moving in the right direction and wanting to be part of spreading the good news of Jesus, then we need to love one another. We need to encourage one another. We need to um, spur one another on, and we need to be able to celebrate one another. That needs to be our predominant trait. Not um, criticizing one another, not slandering one another, which is what Diotrephes was doing. Malicious um, gossip, it said. He was spreading about the Apostle John and about his ministry. And this guy was in the church. He had some influence in the church. That's not helpful, is it? Jesus went on to say, as we looked at the scripture earlier, a new command I give you, love one another. Because when you love one another, all men will know you are my disciples. Slandering one another doesn't tell people that we're God's disciples, does it? No, it's not a good example. And being overtly critical and, and, um, and yeah, just not being someone who is wanting to include and celebrate the good people around you and the things, the good things that they are doing is being someone who is like negative and is knocking people down is not helpful for the church and it is not helpful for the witness to Jesus Christ. It gives a bad example, doesn't it? And John is saying, don't be like that. Come on. This is the church of Jesus who, who you know, we love and who we've served and, and who we know has, has lived this life, came and, and has died and has rose again. John was a witness to it all. 
And he would have been so passionate about wanting that message to carry on in, its pure, in the purest form that it could. In truth, about who Jesus is and what he does, what he has done for us and, and all that we are to learn from him and how we are to follow his example, live like him and in love because that's who Jesus was. The son of God, the one who loved us and died for us and who rose again to bring us this new life that changes that changes those, that, that sin within us, that turns it around, that cleanses us, that washes us, that frees us from this desire just to please ourselves and enables us, empowers us to be people who can look to Jesus and trust that we are going to live our lives like him, transformed. So, John has spoken to Gaius and he has said to him, well done. He is an example himself, John, of who to imitate. He is encouraging his young disciple, this young man in the faith. And um, he is just saying to Gaius, you know, you're doing a great job. Keep going. Welcome those believers who are just desiring to be with you and spreading the gospel. And uh, then he speaks to Gaius and he says, watch out. Don't be like those who are just thinking about themselves and who are critical and, and, and ultimately who are not going to help the spread of the gospel, who are a bad example. Don't be like those. But he goes... And he finishes by saying, be someone who welcomes. Be someone who embraces. Be someone who wants to advance the kingdom of God because you are um, loving and you are following the example of those who are faithful and who are trustworthy and who are being expansive in their walk with God. They are people who love as well as who believe. Demetrius was pointed out in the end of this epistle by being someone who is spoken well of. He had a good reputation. My challenge to myself, my challenge to you, is how's your reputation? What do people say about you? What do they experience of you? Is it good report? Are your words and your actions seeking to build others up and to embrace others? Or are you looking just to promote yourself? How's your reputation? Are you wanting to speak words that actually build and expand God's kingdom that are a good testimony representing the church and Jesus Christ and all that he stands for. Can we welcome others alongside us on this journey? Can we celebrate others? 
Let's not be people who always try and get the best story whenever anything is, you know, being celebrated. It's like, yes, but I went, you know, I went to see, um, oh, my shirt's all tucked in. <laughs> I went to see um, Victoria Falls, you know, for my holiday. Yes, but I went to see Niagara Falls. don't know which is best, really, you know. But sometimes, you know, there's this desire to always be one-up. Can we be people who celebrate and who serve like Jesus served? I'm going to ask the band to come up. And uh, I just want us to take some time and just to maybe ponder where God is saying we are at as individuals. The message of the gospel continues and uh, we are here in this time and in this generation and we have a responsibility and we can know God saying to each one of us, well done. So many of you and, and so many I know and I've seen and I've experienced are great encouragers, are great at celebrating other people's success. So God will say to us, well done. But every single one of us can have a have moments in our lives when we struggle to love and to welcome others in their journey and perhaps we struggle to appreciate that God's love is for, for us day after day after day and therefore we cannot see that in someone else's success that we could be loved because other people seem to be doing better than us. So maybe we struggle with just knowing that God's love is the same for each and every one of us. We don't have to be in competition with anyone else around us because God loves you just as much as the next person next to you. And the next person, and the person on a platform, and the person in the corridor, and the person at the coffee. God's love for us is exactly the same. And he wants each and every single one of us to know that love and to know the blessing and the joy of just living the life that he's called us to live and sharing it with those around us and seeing the beauty and the diversity and the colour of God's kingdom as we work together and as we share together and as we celebrate one another and, and as we appreciate each other's gifts and talents and abilities. So we need God, don't we? 
because it's a battle that we face day after day, generation after generation. And John, in his writing, is just wanting to encourage the church to watch out, to know that there are things that they're doing that is that has been really good, but to watch out as well, and to keep that desire within each and every one of our hearts to want to be first, to keep it under control in God's, through God's strength and through God's help. Our queen, our late queen, she said in one of her Christmas messages back in 2011, she said this, although we are capable of great acts of kindness, history teaches us that we need saving from ourselves, from our recklessness, but also from our greed. And God sent into the world a unique person, neither a philosopher or a general, important though they are, but a saviour with the power to forgive. And we all need that saviour. And his name is Jesus Christ. I need him. And I know you need him. Because we're all the same, aren't we? We've all messed up, which is where we started <laughs> the service. We all need Jesus. We all need our saviour. Perhaps we could just stand together and perhaps we could just pray. The Apostle John, he knew the Saviour's forgiveness. Those sons of Zebedee, they were called the sons of thunder. James and John, he was an impetuous young man. And he probably got lots of things wrong. <laughs> but you know, in his later years, he became known as the Apostle of Love. And you know how he described himself? He des described himself as the disciple whom Jesus loved. Now, some might look at that and think, oh, that's a bit arrogant. <laughs> but we're all entitled to describe ourselves as the disciple whom Jesus loved. Because God so loved the world that he gave his only son, Jesus, that whoever believes in him will not perish, but will have everlasting life. Each one of us can know that overwhelming love and that forgiveness of sin, just like John. And each one of us can say, I'm the disciple that Jesus loves. Not because we're doing things right all the time, but just that we know that he has died for us in order that we might be forgiven of our sin. And he has rose again in order that we might have new life, victorious life, life that overcomes and can join him in his mission in spreading his good news in this day and in our generation.
So let's pray. Dear Lord Jesus, we ask you that in our frailty and in our lack and in our struggle, you will help us to be people who first and foremost know your love for each one of us individually, that we are the disciple who Jesus loves, that your love abounds to each one of us and that you are a God who loves to forgive our sin. So we come to you, people who need you, people who have messed up. We come to you, Lord God, and we ask that we would know forgiveness of our sin. Forgive us when we seek to continue to put ourselves first. Help us with our sense of wanting to just preserve us. And help us, Lord God, to be people who walk after you walk in your truth and know what it is to walk in fellowship with one another, in love with one another, as we know we are loved by you. Reassure our hearts, Lord God, and help us, Lord God, to receive your forgiveness today and to offer ourselves for your service. In Jesus' name. Thanks for listening to this message from New Life in North Lincolnshire. To find out more, do visit us online at newlifechurch.uk or why not pay us a visit? We'd love to see you.